Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you will be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. The Word of God is much like our meals. We have to have it. And God has chosen a way to bring the Word to our heart, and that's through preaching. And I understand that there are other sources and means that we gather the Word of God to our heart. But he said he chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There's something about the heralding, the trumpeting, the declaring of the Word of God that inspires us and invigorates us and causes us to reach for the things of God. And so we need the preaching of the Word of the Lord. Praise God. we got to have the preaching of the Word of God. There is no replacement for it. And we want to look today at the Word of God. We've been kind of in a theme here on Sunday mornings talking about the name. And I just feel prompted to come one more time to this subject again today. We're reading from the 48th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 48. And verse number 9, Isaiah chapter 48, verse number 9. Scripture tells us in this 48th chapter of the prophet Isaiah's book, the ninth verse, he says, For my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for my praise will I refrain for thee, that I cut thee not off. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, even for my own sake will I do it. For how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory unto another. And I preach today on this Sunday morning from this subject, For his name's sake will the Lord do it. For his name's sake, will the Lord do it. Would you ask the Lord to help us today on this Sunday morning? Jesus, we're needing your help in the next little while in the imparting of life, God, from your word. And we're asking you to take that which you have placed in our heart and help us, O oh God, to be able to break it in such a way that our hearts would receive that word and it would become strength and help, dear God, to us. We're so thankful, Lord, for all that you do. And now, Lord, we're asking you to help us receive your word. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Would you lift your hands and voices to the Lord one more time? And would you make a joyful sound of praise unto the Lord Jesus Christ? Can we just worship him together? We just praise him together. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. And you may be seated. God bless you. The subject of God, of course, is a vast subject. It's a subject that's inexhaustible when you begin to talk about God. God who is infinite. God who is beyond 
our ability to define and describe. You have taken on a vast, vast subject. We're introduced to this subject from the very beginning of our Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. The very fourth word of that verse introduces us to this infinite God, a God that is beyond description and beyond any known limit when it says, in the beginning, God, or that is, in the beginning, Elohim, the, the God who has no beginning, the God who has no ending, a God in who is all power and might and majesty, all authority resides within him, and so in that introductory statement of Genesis 1 and 1, it's in the beginning, the Almighty. In the beginning, the God who possesses all power, all authority, all majesty, and all might. Now, for you and I on this Sunday morning, it is probably not the existence of God that is our greatest question. You and I believe in the existence of God. And if we would take a poll of our theology this morning, we would conclude that we indeed believe that God is almighty and that all power is invested in Him and all authority rests in Him. So the existence of God is not the question on this Sunday morning. We can look at creation and say there's a God. We see the rise of the sun and the setting of the same. We see the glow of the moon and the stars twinkle in the black velvet of God's universe and we say there is a God. That's not your question and that's not my question but what our question really is is how do we experience God? How do we connect with this God who is almighty, this God who possesses all power, mere humans as we are, who are not in this infinite state, but we are finite. We, we have limits and we don't possess all power, so how do we come to relate to a God who is so amazing and so incredible? We do have a, a desire. There, there is a, a passion in us to, to experience God. I think if we, would, if we would take that poll here today, let's do it. Let's just take a poll. How many, how many has the desire to experience God? You really have a desire. You want to experience God. You want to connect with God. Sure. We can relate to the psalmist's prayer in Psalms chapter 42 and verse number 1 when he described that passion and desire and thirst for God. And he says, as the heart or as the deer panteth after the water brook, my soul pants after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. But then that last statement kind of brings it back to the, the realm of reality when he says, when shall I appear before God? I have the desire to come to Him. I have the desire to experience Him, but He is so infinite and I am so finite. And how can we connect and how can we get together? And then to compound matters, He is aggressively attacked by his adversaries in the third verse when he said, They continually say unto me, Where is 
thy God. You say you have a desire to connect to Him. You have a desire to experience Him. You want to come in close proximity to Him. But where is your God that you talk about? And so David will later respond and he will answer about where God is. It's a very simple answer. It's not a, an answer filled with complexity. He, he just simply says, well, our our God's in heaven. That's, that's where our God is. Well, that seems to be a pretty straightforward answer when you start talking about God. Our God is in heaven. And yet David was not given God a location as much as he was given God a position that God was above all. He was over all. He sits supreme, enthroned above everything. But it still does not answer the question, how do you and I connect to God? How do you and I experience God? We know the right theological jargon to use. We can say, well, God's in heaven. He's enthroned. He's above all. He's over all. We've learned all of those phrases and we say all of those things and yet the complexities of life and the difficulties of life and the problems of life. Is is there any real folks here today that you have complexities and problems and difficulties and anxieties and fears and worries. I'm trying to get to where some of you all are at because you're not there yet. Uh, you have uh, problems and, uh, and life's, uh, have had has handed you some very adverse circumstances. Anybody, anybody real here today? You got, got those kind of things. And we have learned in life because that we have these complexities and these problems and these difficulties that we need something outside of us to be able to handle it. Because quite honestly, we just don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle all of the adversity and the problems, the complexities and the difficulties. And at times, at best, we are frustrated and we wring our hands and we wipe the sweat from our forehead and we pace the nighttime floor trying to figure out how we're going to get all of this done. And that's the reason why you and I have got to experience God. That's the reason why you and I have got to connect to God. That's why you and I have got to bring this God who is almighty and has all power and all might. And we've got to bring Him into our life because it is a simple fact that without God, I can do nothing but with God. God, nothing is impossible, so I need God. Does anybody feel like you just need God here today? This is, this is what's got to happen because I can't, I can't experience God and I can't connect to God in, 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 in one sermon. It just doesn't happen. I've wished, I've tried, I've been at this for over 40 years. I, I, I have tried, I've tried to come up with the sermon. I've sat and toiled over desks and in corners and my face up under pews and behind pulpits trying my dead level best to come up with that one magic sermon that'll just get folks to connect. Just think you got it. Man, there are times I've walked to the pulpit and think, "Mm, this is going to get them. And only to discover that I missed. I didn't get them. They didn't connect. 
I, I, I wish there was one Bible lesson. I wish there was one Sunday school lesson. I, I wish there was some way I could sit down and, and, and come up with a pamphlet. I wish God would give me the spirit of writing so that I could come up with a pamphlet that would connect folks to God because I'd mass produce them. I'd pass them out. I'd put them in the mail. I'd, I'd do everything I could. But the fact is, there is no study There is no theological lesson. There is no sermon that is the magic bullet. Is it safe to say that? Is that that politically correct? That's probably not politically correct, is it? It, it, It's, it's, oh well, let's just move on. You know, it's just that, that, that magic thing that just gets the job done. And gets folks connected to God. And, and the fact is, is what you and I have got to understand. That it is in our individual moments of life. Those individual experiences of life. That is where we discover God. It's in the most difficult moments. It's in the moments where there's hardships and there's difficulties. And there's moments of frustration. And we feel the tensions. Anybody ever felt tension? You feel the tension just just boiling up inside. That's the environment for experiencing and connecting with God. I, I probably will never really connect with God outside of that realm. But it's in that realm. It's where I really discover the most about God. And where I find out that I really know Him in a way that is beyond anything I've ever known before. And so I've got to, to cap into these moments and these difficult times that are in my life. Just, just look with me for just a moment. Just a quick little journey through some Old Testament scripture. And you'll discover that it's the moments of life that God capitalizes on and says let me show you a little bit about me let me let me reveal myself let me show you who I am and let me show you what I can do one of those characters from the Old Testament his name is Abraham and he has messed up big time now we oftentimes talk about Abraham's successes but Abraham had as many failures as he did successes and and it was in these this moment of failure he has dropped the ball. He has, he has fumbled it all in his agreeing to this plot and plan of, of Sarah to, to take Hagar and to have a child by Hagar. And he has produced a problem child instead of a promised child. And now he is bearing the years after all of this and the difficulty of an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. And he's trying to get his ship turned right and he's trying to, 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 to get, get, get a handle on life and scripture says in Genesis chapter 17 and verse number 1 that it's in this, this moment of failure and it's in this time where he has dropped the ball and he, he's absolutely failed and he's gone in the wrong direction that the Lord comes and, and Abraham is 90 years old and 9 and the Lord appeared to Abraham and he said unto him hey Abraham let me tell you a little bit about me. Let me reveal 
reveal myself to you. I am the Almighty God. Walk thou before me and be thou perfect. Abraham, let me take your moment of failure and let me just tell you who I am. I am El Shaddai. I am the Almighty God. Because my moments of failure and my moments of difficulty does not keep God from revealing Himself to me. Rather, it is my moment of failure that pulls back the curtain of God. And God says, let me show you who I really am. I am El Shaddai. I am the Almighty God. I am the God that is able to help you. I am the God that is able to strengthen you. I am the God that's able to bear you up. Just go ahead and walk with me. It's, 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 it's Moses in his wilderness wanderings that, that he has abandoned Egypt. He has walked away from what seems to be the promise of God. He's walked away from the plan of God. And he's just kind of decided to make, uh, make life just as, just as good as he can make it. And live it out the best way that he knows how to live it out here in the wilderness. And he's married and he's, he's got a family now. And he's, he's leading some sheep and just trying to take care of life. And it looks like God's left him and God's abandoned his plan and his purpose. And it's in this environment that God comes to Moses. And in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 13, he, he says, let me, let me tell you who I am, Moses. I am that I am. I am the present God. I am the God that's always there. I am the God that never leaves you nor abandons you. But it was Moses. Moses' moment. It was Moses' lowest point in his life that caused God to pull the curtain back and say, let me tell you a little bit about who I am and what I am. I am a present God. And then here he is now. He's tried to step up. He, he's tried to do what he thinks God wants him to do. And he's wound up back in Egypt and he's, for, he's before Pharaoh. And he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh is raised up on his throne and, and said, who's the Lord that I should obey him? And if that was not bad enough, the whole nation of Israel has risen up against Moses and said, you've just made our life a whole lot harder than what it's ever been before. And it's in this moment of discouragement and frustration in doing the will of God that God appears then unto Moses in Exodus chapter 6 and verse number 3. And he said, I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and to Jacob by the name of God Almighty El Shaddai, but by my name Jehovah was I not known. Hey Moses, I want you to know Jehovah's my covenant name. That's the name that I use when I'm in agreement. And just because you're in a disappointment right now and you're in a discouragement right now, I want you to know I'll still do everything I said I'll do. I'll still fulfill my word and I'll still come through on my promises. But it was the moment that Moses was in that revealed God.
God. Some of us are trying to figure God out of a book. We're trying to get God out of Greek. We're trying to get God out of Hebrew. We're trying to get God out of some theological book somewhere. I'll tell you how you find out about God. You just walk in the mess of life. You just walk in the difficulty of life. You just live with a little bit of failure. Just live with a little bit of discouragement. Just try to find your way through this world. And God shows up and says, let me tell you who I am and what I am. Just go ahead and walk the corridor of the hospital. I'll show up and tell you who I am. Go ahead and deal with that legal letter. I'll show up and show you who I am. Just go ahead and deal with that sickness. I'll show up and show you who I really am. Because God's greatest revelation is not out of a theological book. God's greatest revelation is out of the problems and difficulties and perplexities and anxiety and difficulty of life. That's God's greatest path of revelation to us. So it becomes very obvious then that God uses His name to reveal Himself. He said, you want to know who I am? You see, I'm, I, am a, I'm a, I am a God of, that is infinite, that has no end, that has no beginning. I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm beginning and ending. I'm first and last. I'm He that was and is and is to come. You can't comprehend all of that. You can't figure everything out. You don't know everything that's going on. He said, so I tell you what, I'm going to use my name. And when I use my name, my name is going to tell you who I am. My name is going to tell you what I can do. My name, that's why the name of God is so important because the only way I know God is through His name. And when I discover His name, I discover what God can do. That's why Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 9 and 6 when he prophesied the birth of Christ. He says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon His shoulders and His name. Let me tell you a little bit bit about this one that's going to be born in Bethlehem. Let me tell you, you can't wrap your mind around it. A book can't explain it. But if I could give you a name that will tell you who he is, I'll give you that name. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. How do I know God? I know God through his name. And his name tells me what he can do, what he will do, what he is bound to do by his word I find that out through the name of God that's why there's so many names in the Old Testament that is used because the name was a was kind of a, a summary of God now we we I, I'm, I'm told I'm, I'm told that I'm named after a doctor I know you're impressed I'm named after a doctor at least that's what she tells me that she read a book about a doctor have named Kevin and so she she put the handle Kevin on me I have no earthly idea what Kevin means I have no idea I'm not taking time to look don't go Google right now but it, it, it gets a lot of things done Kevin will you do this Kevin will you do that You know, but it, it don't tell you a whole lot about me. My name don't reveal a whole lot about who I am. Because we don't use names like that. But for God, His name revealed His character. 
His name revealed his identity. It was shorthand for God. What's God like? El Shaddai. He's the Almighty. What's God like? He's Jehovah. He's a God who makes covenant for redemption. That's how I know what God is. Because His name reveals the character of God. That's why you read in Scripture, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. How do I know He's a provider? Because His name says He is a provider. He's Jehovah Rapha. Rophe, the Lord is my healer. How do I know that God is my healer? Because His name tells me that God is my healer. He's Jehovah Roe, the Lord is my shepherd. How do I know that God is my shepherd? Because His name tells me that He is my shepherd. He's Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. How do I know that God's peace? His name tells me that God is peace. So everything I I know about God. I know from His name. That's why the name Jesus is so important in the New Testament because His name represents what He came to do. I came to save my people from their sins. That's why that name is so significant because it is defining this great God. And so everything God does, now listen to me, everything God does, He does to defend His name. Or can I put it this way? He does to defend His reputation. Because His name says, I am a healer. So God says, I'm going to heal because my name says that I have the reputation of being a healer. I will be peace because my name says that I am a peace giver. My name proclaims that so I am going to defend my name because it defends me. That's why Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 48 verse number 9, He says, for my namesake. He said, now this is why I'm going to do what I do. Because of my namesake. And then he says in verse number 11, for my own sake, even for my own sake, will I do it. He said, if I didn't do it, then my name would not properly represent me. So I've got to do it because my name says that's who I am and that's what I am. And for my name's sake, I will do it. Can I tell you what God does for us and through us and around us is because that His name says that He is able and His name says that He has all power and His name says that there's strength. So when you say the name of Jesus Christ, you're calling on everything that's resident inside of Him so that He'll do it for His name's sake. Would somebody lift your hands and just shout to the Lord. Does anybody remember those moments in life? Is anybody having a moment right now? Nine o'clock Thursday morning I had one. When I walked in that side door and I heard a Niagara running at the other end my heart quickened I felt everything flow out so I raced to the other end and I saw this solid forceful stream of water come through the wall 
and I saw water all over everywhere. I'm running for everything I got inside of me. I'm trying to find a wrench somewhere. I got to get out and get the main cut off. But there's snow on top of the main. Where is it now? I got to find the main. Where is the main? And I got a snow shovel and I'm going. I mean, it, it didn't matter. I don't know how long it had already been running. It didn't matter if it ran another five minutes at that point. I mean, you know, just in an emergency and I'm scooping for everything I've got trying to find that, trying to find that main. It's a moment. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been there. You're adrenaline. I mean, it's just, you, it, who cares that it's, it's, it's five below wind chill? It, it just doesn't matter. You're out there finally. You found it and you're, you're down on your belly and, and you, you got the wrench and you're trying to give it every thing you got but that thing just won't budge it just won't budge at all and so you think well now there's another disconnect over here for this building let's go back over there and let's see if we can get it and you're racing 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 because you don't want it to run another minute than the hours maybe it's already run you know and so you're back here but you got you got to dig the snow away to find that disconnect and you get down and find the sands all frozen around it and you're digging and clawing and working trying to get it out and you race back out I, does anybody know those moments? I mean, it's just, it's just there. And then, and then suddenly a car pulls up in front of me. And thank God. And Shannon just happened to come by. And I'm on my belly out there. And he thinks I've, you know, I've passed out or something. You know, I just, you know, you know, I'll tell you what. You know, it's moments. It's moments. And, and it puts a little adrenaline in you. And, and you, you're struggling to try to, to get it all together. And it's in those moments that God says, Hey, let me reveal who I am. Moses was having one of those moments. He was having one of those difficult times when, when God in his anger has said, I'm just going to obliterate the nation of Israel. I'm going to destroy them. Uh, they, they've built this calf and I'm just going to wipe them all out. So Moses goes to the mountain in Exodus chapter 32 and verse number 11 when God had sought in his, his anger to destroy the people of God he comes along in verse number 12 and he says look God wherefore should the e Egyptians speak and say for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth to, to turn, from, turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people and then the psalmist in Psalms 106 he says that Israel had provoked God and in spite of being provoked in Psalms 106 verse number 8 he said nevertheless he saved them for his name's sake that his, he might make his mighty power known God said you know what I know they've done bad I know they've built the calf and I'm terribly angry about it but my name says I'm merciful and my name says I'm a forgiving God and my name says there's grace in me and because of my name I'm going to turn my anger away and I'm going to turn my wrath away and I'm going to forgive them just because my name says 
that I am a forgiving God and I am a righteous God. It's when Israel had faced defeat at Ai that Joshua comes along and he's appealing to God and he asks him in Joshua 7 and 9, What wilt thou do unto thy great name? What are you going to do? They can't win in Ai, but your name says that you're their helper and your name says that you can give them power. And What are you going to do about your name? And God says, for my name's sake, I will help Israel out. Can I tell you on this Sunday morning that it's not on my merit, but it's on the merit of who God is, that God does His greatest work in my life. Go back, go back and read Isaiah chapter 48. Go read that passage of Scripture. Isaiah's already listed the sins of Israel. He starts in verse number 1. They're insincere. Verse number 4, they're obstinate. Verse number 5, they're addicted to idols. Verse number 8, they are deaf to God. And then he tells them that they have generally resisted God in every way. And that they had provoked the anger of God. But then you get down to verse number 9 and God says I tell you what even though your sin deserves it and even though you've done bad and even though you've done wrong I will defer it and I will refrain myself and I'll not cut Israel off and the reason I'll do it is not because you're so good I'm going to do it because my name says I'm a forgiving God and I'm a merciful God and I'm a gracious God and I'm a kind God can I preach to somebody on this Sunday morning uh, that my failures and my problems and my difficulties uh, does not preclude God uh, from working in my life. Uh, He's got a name uh, that says in spite of my failures, uh, in spite of my mistakes, uh, in spite of all the times I've dropped the ball, that He'll still come along uh, and wrap His arms around me. He'll defer His anger. He'll receive me. He'll forgive me. And He'll do it uh, for Him. His namesake. And so there's sometimes all I can do is come to God. And when I come to Him, I can't tell Him, God, I need you to do this because I've, 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 I've been faithful. And I need you to do this, God, because I've, I've, I've prayed every day and I've read my Bible. And God, I, 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 I can't come to you and tell you I need you to do this because God I, I, I've been spotless in my thinking and, and, and I, I, I've not had moments of, of indiscretion but I come to him and say God you know because I failed and dear God I know I've messed up and I know God that I didn't, I didn't have all the devotion I should have had and, and I know God I've not given your word proper time and, and I know God there's been times that there's been indiscretion discretion in my life God but not for me not because of what I am but because of what you are God because your name says uh, that you're merciful and you're forgiving and you're kind and you're gracious Uh, will you take care of this moment uh, that I'm in right now and God says uh, I'll defer it I'll refrain my anger not because of how good you are but because of my namesake Will I do it? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered? I've wondered this a thousand times. Please don't play innocent with me now. 
Because I've wondered this a thousand times. How did they get that? Boy, you could hear a pin drop in this building right now. I know how bad they messed up. I know about the imperfections. How? Did they get that? God says, it's not because of what they are. It's because of who I am. I'll do it for my name's sake. I'll do it because my name says that I'm forgiving and I'm merciful and I'm gracious and I'm kind and I'm considerate. Now, our problem is this. Oh, I could go in the other direction preaching right now because our problem is, is we take God's work in our life as approval for our lives and say, hmm, well, must not be so bad after all. God just gave me a miracle. Woo! You know, I've missed the last 30 days in prayer and Bible reading and uh, haven't paid my tithes and haven't given my offerings haven't been faithful to the house of God. And man, I've messed up big time. And look, God has just provided for my life. Must be everything, must be all right. That, that must not require anything. I cannot preclude in my life uh, that just because God gives miracles and blessings that God's putting approval because it's not me he's defending. It's his name that he's defending. It's his name that he's upholding. It's his name that says I am a healer and I'm a savior and I'm a forgiver. Giver, and I'll do it just because of my name. Well, I do it. I'll give it to you just because my name says that. You know, there, there's this time in life that we feel, we feel disconnected from God. Has anybody ever felt disconnected from God? One Two, three, four. Okay. Just, I'm, I'm worried about myself because I, I, I am. There's times I feel disconnected from God. Okay. And don't let that be a shock to you. Mother Teresa here, many years ago, known for her benevolence to the poor in India, they found a diary of hers after she passed. And she wrote about the dark nights of being disconnected from God. And the media had a heyday with it. Because she talked about her times of disconnect from God. And there, there is in all of our walk with God, there's disconnect. There's times I don't feel Him. Okay? Let me pause there. There's times I don't feel God. In fact, there's days I don't feel God. And there's sometimes months that I've struggled in feeling God. Pray. Read my Bible. 
Preach. Well, I'm being real transparent this morning. until it was in a moment that I got this little revelation and it just dawned on me just came together I went back to that favorite verse of mine Psalms chapter 23 verse number 1 the Lord that's Jehovah I am God Almighty, El Shaddai, the Lord, here it is now, is my shepherd. David, being this prophet, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he said there's going to be a point in life and time in life when God's going to need to reveal Himself and He's going to do it as a shepherd. That's why John chapter 10, Jesus introduces Himself as the good shepherd that gives His life for the people. So the Lord is my shepherd. That shows me that God became flesh. Elohim. Jehovah, El Shaddai, I am, became the shepherd in my present moment. Well, why do I need a shepherd? Because I have moments of disconnect. Because the Bible tells me that I am like sheep that have gone astray. There are times that I wonder. And there are times that I stray out of the path. And there are times that I'm disconnected. And God says, I'll tell you what I'll do. In those moments in verse number 3 of Psalms chapter 23. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll reveal myself. He said, I'll restore their soul. And I'll lead you in paths of righteousness. And here it is. I'll do it. I'll do it for my name's sake. Because my name says I'm your shepherd. My name says that I'm the one that will lead and guide and direct you. And so even though there are times of disconnect. And there's times that I wonder. He comes along in the moment. And he says for my name's sake. I'll find you. In whatever crevice, I'll find you. In whatever depth of valley you're in, I'll find you in whatever desert you've wandered in. And for my name's sake, I'll bring you back to a right path and I'll restore your soul. Hear me, my moment is not too dark for my Savior. I said, My moment is not too dark for my Master. My moment is not too dark for the God of glory and it's in that moment he reveals himself for his name's sake so that's the reason why it's so important that I cling to the name of almighty God what's that old song take the name of Jesus with you Child of sorrow and of woe. 
It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. So wherever I'm at, whatever place I'm in, whatever spot I find myself, I take his name because his name reveals him. And when he's revealed, he will work in my life and he'll work in my heart and he'll work in my home and he'll do it for his name's sake. And while I stand there, I say, precious name. Oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name. Oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Because as long as I've got his name, I've got him. As long as I've got his name, whatever I need is right there. As long as I've got his name, I know he will do it for his name's sake. Would you just lift your hands to heaven with me right now? All over this building. You just lift your voice and your hands to heaven. Tilt your face toward glory. Would you take that precious name now? Would you take that precious name? You may be child of sorrow and of woe, but for his name's sake, I will do it for you. Precious name. What a name, the name. Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me all over the building on this Sunday morning? joy and comfort. Comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Oh precious name. Oh how sweet. Joy of heaven. Now, wherever you're at in your moment of life, whatever circumstance it may be in, whether it's in the darkness of dismay or whether it's in sickness, financial crisis, 
jobs, family, home, wherever it's at. God says, for my name's sake, I'm going to work for you. This is what my name says I am. This is who I am by the revelation of my name. And if you'll just take that name, you'll have everything I am. If you'll just reach out and hold on to that name, you'll have everything you need. If you'll just reach out and take a hold of that name, you'll have everything that you need to sustain you if you'll just reach out and take it. I'm opening the altars on this Sunday morning from wherever you're at across this building. You just want to take that name with you today. You just want to reach up and say, God, everything that's in your name, I want it applied to my life right now. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. You can call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.